A good Thursday morning to you. It is February 10th. This is our first show of the week, and it is our second last show of the week. Uh, Real talk here, testing out the two-day work week, and we'll see how it goes. There's a lot to talk about, as is often the case in news talk. As is often the case in the arena in which we operate, in which we play, the times that we take away from Studio Translate into the busiest, most talk-worthy times that we see on our schedule, and it means that we've got a lot of ground to cover today. We're going to be talking about different provinces reacting. Do I put it this way? Right out of the gates, coming in hot out of the gates, provinces reacting to this Ottawa occupation, Quebec walking back its health tax, Saskatchewan taking steps to relax restrictions, Alberta relaxing restrictions. You can walk into restaurants, theaters, and other public places now without the QR code, proving that you've been vaccinated. Your kids won't be wearing masks in schools anymore. There are big changes, and we've asked you how you feel about it. I ran an unofficial, unscientific Twitter poll. More than 9,000 of you chimed in over 24 hours. We're grateful for that. Something else developed, a trend developed with that poll. And as a matter of fact, it's going to pull me away from analyzing the poll because you can look at that in two seconds and find out where people are at. I'd rather talk about the trend. I'd rather talk about the tone of what's going on right now. And coming up later in this broadcast, there's a positive reflection. There's an email from Kendall that I'm looking forward to reading about exactly that. Now, of course, you know, the technical producer of this show is Beautiful Bride. We're off getting married this weekend. That's going to factor into our My Jasper Memories presented by Tourism Jasper. We're going to get to see some photos, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Plus, we're going to check in. We're going to find out why the president of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce believes, pardon me, the president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, Deborah Yedlin, believes that it's maybe not the best move for Alberta to be relaxing restrictions as quickly as it is. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. And then if you want to restore your faith in humanity, maybe it's restoring your faith on living beings walking planet Earth, because really it has nothing to do with humans. It's how dogs make us better humans. Bea Bo Meyer is going to join us to talk about her new book, How Dogs Make Us Better Humans. I'm really looking forward to that. And I know that everybody, if you're like me, you can use a bit of a break from all the garbage and from all the nastiness and the divisiveness and the anger. And I'm not saying that it's unfounded. I'm just saying that every once in a while, it's nice to see the wagging tail of a dog and feel that stinky breath on your face. It does something to turn the tide doesn't it this show is presented you know by our friends at bitcoin well they're canada's first publicly traded bitcoin atm company they've got more than 200 bitcoin atms in canada more of them internationally bitcoin was in a bit of a free fall it was following the trends that we were seeing with the stock market a while back people trying to make sense of it trying to understand it i go to a guy by the name of benny he's he's kind of the the front facing staff or the team member there at bitcoin well i love it he's always got the big smile on his face he chuckles no stupid questions if you're trying to make sense of what's going on right now want to understand what causes bitcoin to fluctuate my friend Shiver's always saying to me, there's price and then there's value. There's price, then there's value. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's great to see all the Real Talkers showing up live. I know that the majority of you will catch this later in the day or maybe even a few days from when we were doing it live here on February 10th. But those of you that are joining us in the live chat, we're going to be looking to you 
uh, to give us a sense of where you're at with a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today. You know, Genevieve says, I'm hearing about a walkout and a protest on Monday on the 14th of February to do with schools. A lot of people are pissed off about these snap changes. I saw that, too. It looks like in particular high school students, students getting ready to walk out of class in Alberta to make a statement, sort of a march to the legislature type thing. I've told you this story before. I remember back when I was in high school at Henry Wisewood High School in Calgary on Elbow Drive. I remember the walkout to protest cuts that Ralph Klein's conservative government was making. It was impacting in particular, as our teachers were telling us, the electives, the courses like woodworking and art and everything else. And a lot of students, I think at that point, this was this was when the seed was first planted for me with regards to so-called political activism or having your say, making sure your voice was heard, planting your flag Remember that in high school now, 25, almost 30 years later, I look back and that's where it started for me. That stuff's really important to keep an eye on. These are the leaders of tomorrow. And Genevieve, I'm glad you bring that up. And that's something we'll keep an eye on as well. That would be coming up on Monday. It's a story that we're following. So, you know, over the past few days, these occupation type stories have continued out of Ottawa and people are understanding more about how long this might last, the impact that it's having, whose job it is to step up and say something about it. I tweeted about it while we were away over the past few days, and many of you had something to say about it. I said, first of all, the prime minister, where is he? Second of all, Premier Ford, come on, Ottawa's chief of police. Are you kidding me? A lot of you saying, well, this is the, 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 the jurisdiction of the prime minister. He can't step on the premier's toes. And that's not how it works. And I'm sitting there going, if you if, if you know, Washington, D.C. was under siege, do you think that the president of the United States might address the nation by way of television address, by way of a social media video or otherwise? You think he might say something? POTUS might say something if there were hundreds of trucks jamming up Washington, D.C., or do you think he'd defer to the mayor of D.C. and not say anything? Well, the prime minister did step up and say something, and a lot of people are still wrestling over whose job is it to clean up this mess? Whose job is it to take a step forward and start to clear this up? You've no doubt seen this class action lawsuit that downtown Ottawa residents have launched. They're sick and tired of the honking horns. They're describing it as psychological warfare. That class action lawsuit is seeking damages right around the amount that that GoFundMe, that frozen GoFundMe raised. They're looking for about $10 million. It has surfaced news over the last few days that many of these trucks, police have estimated one in four trucks in downtown Ottawa currently has children living in it. A lot of people are very upset about that, saying it's time for child and family services to get involved here. They're saying that these children are, you know, in scenarios that are quite nasty. The noise levels are akin to some form of domestic terrorism. I mean, there's big words being thrown around. A lot of people are fed up right now. I know that those that are doing the occupying are saying, well, yeah, that's kind of the whole idea. The Coots border blockade remains. There's a new one at Milk River. Producer Sarah Hoyles is keeping an eye on that. And so there's a lot for us to talk about. I ran this Twitter poll over the weekend as Alberta's premier announced that this province, our home province, would be relaxing restrictions, essentially effective immediately. The announcement made around 5, 5.15, depending on who you talk to, 5.30 p.m., effective at midnight. So restaurants are going, well, hang on a second. And parents with kids in school or teachers, administrators going, whoa, whoa, wait a second. And everybody's sort of processing what this is going to mean to them. I simply asked you, my fellow Albertans, and again, this is unscientific, okay? This is unofficial. 
My fellow Albertans, how are you feeling about the province lifting its COVID restrictions? I let you know we'd be back today and we'd be talking about this. More than 9,000 votes, 9,280 votes. I appreciate that. The top vote, we give you two options, two thumbs up, two thumbs down. 100% I'm ready for it. In other words, bring it on. Let's go. Time to move forward. Another thumbs up. I'm cautiously optimistic. A thumbs down feels a bit soon, no? And then a thumbs down. This is outrageous with the swearing furious emoji. Wanted to give you sort of two sentiments to vote on there. The leading vote getter with 31.5% of the vote. This was tight. It was a three horse race. 31.5% of the vote feels a bit soon, no? Like, I mean, just a bit soon, no? The next at 30%, 29.8 is this is outrageous. The people that want to drop F bombs, the people that are going to be submitting trash talks here to Real Talk. And then in third at almost 27%, at 26.8%, 100%, I'm ready for it. I was talking to my wife last night and I said, I kind of feel like these poll results with 9,200, 9,300 of you chiming in on this. And you're going to say, well, there could be people from the U.S. chiming in on this. There could be people from Ontario. And how do you know that this is it's unofficial and it's unscientific? And as a matter of fact, I'm going to point out something else that was happening in just a second, which I thought was really fascinating. But I said to my wife yesterday, I feel like this mirrors these results mimic or mirror my friend group, my friend circle. I, I feel like some of you are pissed. Some of you are, are, are hesitant. You kind of go like hospital numbers are still really high and dozens of people, literally dozens of people are still dying every day across Canada. We're not out of the woods yet. And some of you are just going, I'm so glad for our kids. I'm so glad that the masks can come off. I'm so glad we can get back to normal. I'm ready to get back to normal. I'm triple vaxxed or I'm not vaxxed at all. Some of you and I'm ready to get back to normal. And so I feel like the poll kind of reflects what I'm hearing from people that are close to me. About a third in each of the camps. This was really interesting. You're familiar with how Twitter works, right? You can retweet something. You can push something out or you can quote tweet it. You can amplify it, but you can add your own sentiments. And this started happening as my poll was pushed out. I want to run you through the quote tweets. Check this out. This was really interesting. We get a bunch of people and you can kind of take a look at the at the accounts they're coming from. But, you know, this, for example, from Rob, who says vote and share. And then in all caps, flip it. Right. This from small fringe minority whose who's, uh, bio is, you know, and, and whose tweet has a bunch of trucks and tractor emojis and the big cowboy hat says, do your thing, Twitter. Right. Like take it over. Right. Another one of you, Franklin Wells out of the U.S., it looks like with an American flag says this is delicious. Another one of you says, you know what to do, crew, that from Chris in Alberta with the hashtag Jesperation. I guess that's like desperation. I don't know. I thought that was actually kind of clever, to be honest. It sounds like a good band name, Jesperation. You know what to do, crew, says Chris. Twits says the cult meeting level chat here is troublesome. I mean, it's a three way tie for votes. I'm not sure what cult level would mean. But people here, you know, for example, others of you saying, you know, there's so much Jake says there's so much Stockholm syndrome syndrome here. Canadian Wasteland Fringe says, come on, Alberta. Ryan is the mouthpiece darling of the NDP. <laughs> OK, this other person says, let's tip this scale. Heidi says, go ruin Ryan's poll. Arnia says, it's amazing how people like to be controlled. Make sure you vote. Right. And it goes on and on and on. Stockholm Syndrome, the sickest thread I've read in a while. The poll needs votes from outside of Jespo's echo chamber. Others saying, you know what to do, vote. Others saying, tell Ryan how you feel. Vote, please. Albertans, take this poll. It's great, right? So there's this trend 
of people, presumably convoy supporters, or, or, you know, if you just want the hard right. I mean, people that talk to me, people talking about, you know, I'm the mouthpiece darling of the NDP. If you, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, I don't even talk about the NDP. Like if, if I'm Rachel Notley, I'm probably a little disappointed at how little we talk about the NDP on this show. I never talked about the NDP, quite frankly. Ah, you did, like, on your radio show for four Yeah, because they were the government. So everybody acting like, flip this poll, crush this poll, crash this poll. That's the idea. It's wide open. We want you to chime in. We want you to tell your friends. I don't put out these polls with some sort of a, uh, you know, I endeavor to have 100% of you say that this is outrageous. You don't even know how I feel about it. As a matter of fact, let me tell you, if I were to vote on the poll, I would have voted for the category that got the least amount of votes. My vote would have been cautiously optimistic. And that was 12% of the vote. I didn't want to put it. I didn't want to influence the poll. I didn't want to say what I'd be voting on. I would be voting for cautiously optimistic. I feel like we have or I fear that we have lost the ability to meet in the middle ground and have conversations that have nothing to do with left wing or right wing, but have real conversations with people about real concerns like. I don't know how I feel about walking into a packed movie theater or a crowded restaurant or a hockey arena and not knowing about the vaccination status or, for that matter, the COVID status of people around me. But also, I'm triple vaxxed. I'm boosted. I've done everything that they've asked me to do. And so far, I'm feeling all right, making decisions that I'm comfortable with while other people make decisions they're comfortable with. It pains me. To see kids wearing masks all the time and at the same time it freaks me out a little bit to think of kids in classrooms not wearing masks right now and I worry about teachers and I worry about administrators and all of those concerns and those hesitations are valid because they're coming from the place of people who care very deeply about the children in their trust can we have these conversations where we approach with respect I mean, some people, the answer is simply no. And there are going to be those on the fringe elements of any of these conversations where it's a team sport and there is only win or lose, live or die. But those are not the conversations we endeavor to have here. And I thought that the poll results results were very telling. And good on those that tried to pile on the poll and crash the poll and still wound up with just 27 percent saying 100 percent you're ready for it. It means that more people were willing to chime in and crash the poll. I mean, 9,300 people, that's more than an NHL team can have in the stands in Edmonton right now. For perspective, it's the entire lower bowl of Rogers Place chiming in on this poll. More of you felt like thumbs down at different degrees of hesitation. I asked you to chime in. I asked you to send us emails and Boy, did you ever. And I have a huge stack of them. And we're going to get to them in just a couple of seconds after we talk to Deborah Yedlin. But first, I want to remind you about this Growing the North conference that's coming up in just a short while. As a matter of fact, it's coming up 12 days from now. 
This is a virtual conference with six different keynote presentations where municipal leaders and entrepreneurs have an opportunity to network and to explore economic development opportunities and innovation in Northwest Alberta. This is one of the largest economic development conferences in Alberta. It's going virtual for obvious reasons, presenting three uh, three half days of learning, sharing, and connecting with industry leaders. One of the topics they're going to be getting into is tourism, innovation, and leadership. And I know that a lot of people are really excited to hear from Danielle Flemix, who's the strategy, research, and communications expert at Travel Alberta. Joe Jackman's going to be there, the CEO of Jackman Reinvents. They're the world's first and foremost reinvention company. I know a lot of people are open to the idea of reinvention these days. You can learn more. You can sign up. You can register today at Growing the North. We also wanted to tell you what's new at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. You know that's what we feed our dogs. We were just on the road with it ourselves. It's perfect. It freezes. We take out the ones we need. The food we need for our dogs every morning thaws by the evening. Take out the evening stuff thaws by breakfast the next day. It's never been simpler, but they've got great new products in their shop, including that Mine Pet Platter. You know this one that I was telling you about? You can go to shop now and check it out at granddog.ca. It's the big tray that makes your dog's eating experience take a little longer, makes your dog take a little bit of time and clean off that tray, and it really helps with digestive health. It's also great as a dog owner because, you know, anything to keep those dogs' brains working, to stimulate them, is worth it. You can find the Mind Pet Platter online at granddog.ca. Remember, they deliver to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. And the promo code REALTALK gets you 10% off your first order at granddog.ca. Well, announced earlier this week, a couple of days ago on Tuesday, the provincial roadmap, it's being called Out of the Pandemic, includes changes to the restrictions exemption program that's been removed right now. No more QR codes to get into restaurants and the like and mask requirements for students in K-12 schools starting Monday, starting Valentine's Day, will be lifted. The Calgary Chamber of Commerce chimed in on that and I think raised a few eyebrows along the way. It's a pleasure to welcome to the program the president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber, Deborah Yedlin's worked on Wall Street, Bay Street, more than 20 years experience as a business columnist for various media outlets. I've read her work for years, and she's currently serving as the 14th chancellor at the University of Calgary. When Deborah Yedlin talks, people listen. Welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a couple of days now since these relaxations or the lifting of these restrictions uh, was made public. Is your head at the same place now as it was when you first heard about it? Yes, I think it was, uh, I think the rapidity at which the restrictions were lifted caught a lot of people by surprise. People were really managing to a couple of different timelines. One was the end of February, which is what we'd heard. And the other one was the end of March, which is what the, the, the premier said at the beginning that the rep would be in place until the first end of the first quarter of 2022. So to hear it uh, coming off, uh, you know, within seven hours of, of a press conference was, was definitely surprising. And that caught a lot of people off guard. You say uh, in, in a statement released by the chamber quote while the time will come for pandemic measures to sunset the removal of the restrictions exemption program is akin to ripping the band-aid off before the wound is healed uh, you go on to say uh, the chamber does lifting these restrictions will likely lead to several unintended consequences let's get into that what are we talking about well we're talking about the importance of consumer confidence i mean what we we were advocating for the uh, vaccine passport to be put in place because we wanted businesses to be able to operate with certainty 
and at capacity and give consumers confidence that they could come into an establishment, they could take part of, they could consume services or goods, whatever they decided to do, and feel comfortable and safe. And we wanted also to be in step with the rest of the country because that's what was happening across the country. And so to have these coming off without this kind of warning and, you know, the unintended consequences are that consumers will start to self-select and decide which which establishments they will uh, be uh, visiting and which they will not. And it's very interesting to see what's going on. One of the uh, one of the bars in Calgary, the Ship and Anchor, said that they were going to keep the the REP in place because they wanted to make sure that their patrons are safe, that their employees were safe. And when you have a labor shortage, you actually have to pay attention to things like that. And of course, you know that these restaurants, these bars, you're alluding to it already. You're going to face fire, no doubt, uh, simply based on the fact that they're going to stick to their guns on this. You know, there are going to be people that are going to view this as uh, some sort of a battle cry when in reality, it's nothing but it puts business owners, it puts entrepreneurs and for that matter, staff in a really tough position right now. 100%. We also heard yesterday that some people already weren't showing up to work because they were not comfortable going into an establishment, not knowing whether the people that they were interacting with were vaccinated or not. And again, you know, labor shortage issues, we already know those exist. And so I think the, the thing is that I know that the Alberta Hospitality Association was had been trying to get meetings with government to discuss what they needed. Uh, they were really of the uh, view that they wanted to see the, you know, the, the early closure uh, hours extended and then look at the rep. I mean, so the government did it the other way around. They eliminated the rep, but they didn't increase the hours. It would have made more sense from from their perspective to give them the ability to have two more hours of patrons consuming uh, food and beverages so that that would generate more revenue for them. That's not what happened. And uh, that's, you know, something to think about. I, I was commenting. I mean, this is all purely anecdotal, obviously, about what I'm hearing from friends of mine, even family members of mine. Some of them are just. I mean, some of them by choice are still staying home and obviously still taking what I might describe. I don't want to say extreme measures. That word is really being weaponized, but significant measures to do what they believe they need to do to protect their family. Other friends of mine who are also smart people are going, I got my shots. I got my booster. I'm going to go out. I'm ready to go out. At some point, we got to ease back into this and I'm ready to ease back into this. And some of them are traveling and and having a gay old time. I mean, they're, they're loving it. I mean, you yourself and then the chamber as an entity, how do you determine when it's time to ease into that? So, I mean, I'm not asking, treating you like Dr. Dina Hinch. I'm not asking you from pandemic to endemic or anything like that. I'm not that. a scientist. You're not a scientist, but you're president and CEO of the chamber. So from your desk, how are you evaluating when you think it might be appropriate? So we, we talk to members on a regular basis and we just under, we try to understand where they're at in terms of their comfort levels, whether it's, uh, you know, from the work from home perspective, what they want to do and the pace that they want to take in order to return to their sort of normal operations and what they're comfortable with. And so what we're hearing is that people, we all recognize, our, our members recognize that we have to move to a place where everyone is comfortable with where we're at. And are we at an endemic phase? Uh, Dr. Fauci in the United States says we're not there yet. So there's a time and a place to move forward and to it sort of to open up the economy. And the worry is that if we do something too quickly, like we did in the summer, that we'll have to roll things back. And certainly we still see hospitalizations going up and there are still people in the ICU. I mean, that's that people are looking at those numbers and saying, you know, we're still not comfortable. When you talk to anybody in the medical profession, they're actually very concerned, not just because of the numbers that they're seeing, but also that the burnout and the challenges that we're facing from a staffing perspective. And so what we really want need to remember is that 
we want to maintain access to medical care for people who need the life-saving surgeries, who need to be treated for cancer. And when you have uh, rising cases and beds being taken by people who are sick with COVID, that causes problems within the healthcare system as well. Deborah, what sort of an impact does a does a statement like this from the Calgary of Chamber, uh, the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, have? I mean, do, do you hear back from government? Does it facilitate or open the door for a conversation with a minister or even the premier? I mean, uh, a couple of my friends, quite frankly, that are political strategists, were like, "Ooh, the Calgary Chamber's chiming in." That's, that's not a small thing. Well, what we're worried about really is that any measures that are too quickly implemented will compromise our economic recovery. And that's what we need to make sure that we can stay focused on. And so there is absolutely a time and a place for rolling back restrictions. No question about it. It's just a function of how fast you do that. And I think when you don't have a runway, imagine if you're a proprietor of a business and you go to bed on, on uh, after, the, uh, after the announcement was way rolling back the restrictions and you're thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to have for staff in the morning because I don't know how people are going to feel. That causes employers heartburn and they have to figure that out. So I think the point is it happened too quickly and people didn't have time to respond. They were in their minds. They were looking at another timeline and we heard from members too saying, you know what? We're really happy. We don't want to have to deal with rep. We don't want to have to deal with masks. So we're done. We want to move forward. We want to be at capacity. And that's absolutely fair. But I think there's a balance in everything and we're all working towards the same thing. What we want is everybody to be safe. We want the economy to be open. We want to be seeing people. We want to reacquaint ourselves with our work families because we've been working from home for so long. There's a lot of things that we have to work forward to, but we just have to be a bit more uh, deliberate in terms of how we do that. And there's a lot of unease right now about how fast this was done. And I will say, you know, I speak quite regularly to the CEO of the Calgary Counseling Center, Rob, uh, Robbie babbins Reiner, and her concern is about the anxiety because, as you said, some people are doing very extreme things, some people are not, but there is a level of anxiety out there and that this is just going to heighten it because people will say, I don't know if I want to go out because I don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. Will you go to a, an Oilers game or a Flames game? And people may have different thoughts about that. I'm already hearing it. And I don't blame people for having different thoughts about it. How can you? Um, in closing, I'll ask you a completely unfair question because you, you could probably take 45 minutes to answer it. But but let me just ask for your general thoughts. I mean, there's people, you know, you allude to work families and getting back to work. And, you know, I'm born and raised in Calgary. I love Calgary. And it. it kills me a little bit to, to, to drive in or to be on Memorial Drive and to see so many lights off downtown. And I know everybody yeah. would love to see all those lights back on. A number of factors at play, obviously, but what would be your general assessment? Take as much time as you like to answer the question. Your general assessment of Calgary's economic recovery right now. I think there are a lot of optimistic signs about Calgary's economic recovery. When you look at the changes in the economic diversification opportunities that we've had, you know, whether it's the energy transition center that's now established at the ampersand, the accelerators that have uh, set up shop here, whether it's Endeavor, Thrive, uh, others that are starting to look at ways to boost our, you know, our economic uh, fabric and our resilience. I think there's a lot of really interesting things happening in Calgary. Uh, we have people, uh, companies that are looking for talent. We have to find ways to fill that talent gap. And we're starting to see just a little bit of optimism on the leasing front uh, downtown Calgary, but we still have a long way to go. I think the conversation we have today versus the conversation we have in December is going to be even better. But I do think that we are seeing some really strong signs of economic diversification, of course. And the fact is oil prices are up and that's also giving everybody a lift because 
there's something called the wealth effect. And from an economic, from a, from a market perspective, that's positive. I also, you know, we're starting to hear stories about uh, people coming to Calgary, looking for housing, looking to set up their uh, businesses and flying over, so to speak, for, uh, Vancouver and Toronto, because there is a cost of living uh, advantage here. And we are, you know, we do have the talent. We need more talent, actually. But uh, this is being seen as an increasingly attractive place to set up a business. And we know that Calgary is the the city with the second largest number of of head offices in the country. And so um, it's still a business center and it's on the road to economic recovery, but we're not there yet. But like I said, I think in, in, in six, eight months, we'll have a different conversation again. People I know just got 120K over list uh, with competitive offers in play on their house in South Calgary. Unbelievable. Over the course of just a bit over a day. So, I mean, they were obviously pretty excited. They got to buy back into the same market, but they were still pretty excited about it. Hours, Ryan, hours. Like we've heard stories of some, you know, uh, houses being listed, you know, over a million and a half, seven bids done. Yep. Yeah. Deborah and I passed each other on the QE2. Not many people know that. Her born and raised in Edmonton, me born and raised in Calgary, we decided to make our yep. careers in the opposite cities. She's now the president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, Chancellor of the UFC. Thanks for this. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. She talks about, uh, Deborah does, uh, healthcare workers. I got this email from Jay. Uh, Jay signs off the, the subject line defeated, by the way. My partner says Jay is a nurse at the Royal Alexandra Hospital. She was already a shell of her former self, like many other nurses and doctors, beaten by the toll that this pandemic has taken on the healthcare system. Unlike blockades that are national news, cameras never show the real picture of what's happening in hospitals. The crowded wards on outbreaks, the canceled surgeries, the refusal of care, just so many others. And because of this, The reality is so easily dismissed as fake news or inflated or overcounted statistics. This announcement from Alberta's premier, in spite of rising hospitalization that continues, that's an inconvenient truth the premier is ignoring. Well, it finished her. It finished my partner. I saw the last flicker of anything fade from her eyes, broken, decimated, like our healthcare system, which was maybe premier's objective all along. Our healthcare workers have literally given their everything and they've been totally forgotten in all of this. That's from Jay. I'm going to get to more of your emails in just a second. Plus, the premier made an egregious comment that obviously I'm going to chime in on in just a second. But let me remind you uh, about the partners, the sponsors of this show that keep us going each and every day, bringing you the real talk. That includes the teams at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. It starts today. They're wild wrangler weekend you can check out more online you can link to both their dealerships under the sponsors tab on our website ryanjesperson.com look at these wranglers Uh, they've got the best selection of anywhere in the province you want the four-door you want the bigger one i love those unlimiteds you can get the two-door wranglers as well this is the classic jeep the one that through the years holds its value and catches eyes everywhere you go you won't find a better selection of jeeps in the province than you will at saint albert and sherwood dodge they can share inventories their teams can work together you can shop them all online or go see them in person let them know that real talk sent you at sherwood and saint albert dodge our friends at eden landscaping you know time's gonna come all of a sudden the spring thaw is happening All of a sudden, the ground's starting to soften up, and you're going to see the folks down the street. The backhoe arrives, and there goes their landscaping project. They're going to hit the ground running, and by June, 
They're going to be ready to fire up that outdoor pizza oven and host a beautiful gathering in the great outdoors. And you're going to go, why did I not listen to Jesperson and get in touch with Eden Landscaping in February? Why didn't I get the ball rolling? Mike would love to bring your outdoor space to life. He and his team are ready to start the design process. Get your materials ordered now. You can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. If you do have a big project coming up, maybe it's landscaping, maybe it's a basement purge, maybe you're getting a new roof. Who knows? Maybe you're knocking down that rickety old garage. God bless the people that built it in the 1930s, but that's when everybody just had one Studebaker and nobody had wood shops and you need a new one. Sam's eyebrows are raising. Once I start talking shops and 220 volts and maybe run some, hey, maybe you can run a welder in there and absolutely. Hey, the dream garage. Wouldn't you love to design a dream garage? Oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. (laughs) Local waste is going to be like, can you get back to our ad? I'm just saying, if you're knocking down your garage, you're going to need to put the debris somewhere. You can connect with them today for a bin. Or of course, if you own a small business, a big business, they'd love to talk to you about a more permanent bin setup. Waste uh, that's the Waste and Recycling Collection, Construction, Commercial, and Residential in Alberta and Saskatchewan at localwaste.ca. We asked you to send us emails. How do you feel about the relaxing of restrictions in Alberta and elsewhere across Canada, for that matter? Where's your head at with regards to this Ottawa occupation? And en masse, you were in touch, including Lisa. They reached out to talk at ryanjesperson.com. She says, I voted on your poll, Ryan. She says, I'm cautiously optimistic about the relaxing of restrictions. I'm, I'm concerned, though, that it feels like they're throwing things at the wall to see what's going to stick, especially with hospitalizations still so high. I'd prefer to see a more considered plan to transition us to a new normal with COVID rather than trying to go back to how things were. Our world has changed, and we need to acknowledge that fact. And we need to learn from what's happened. You know, better hygiene practices, for example, will help us limit colds and flus. The same thing with vaccines. Primarily, we need to rethink our healthcare system so it can cope with surges and pressure like this. Well, let's think less about savings and more about capacity and innovation and efficiencies. And these occupiers, it's time to go home. It's time to educate yourself on Canadian values and how government runs and what democracy is all about. That from Lisa. Todd wrote in to say, I'm not entirely sure. Well, he first said, I want to say thanks for the daily dose of real talk. Todd, on behalf of the team, you're very welcome. Says, I don't know how I feel about the premier removing restrictions, but that by their very design are there to protect the public. He says, I do think for him personally, it's about damage control. We ask you about that, by the way, in our new question of the week. We just launched it this morning. How much do you think the relaxing of these restrictions is about Jason Kenney's looming leadership review? That's one of the questions we ask you. You can answer that under the connect link at ryanjesperson.com. Todd says, I believe that the more concerning questions should be that after two years, society as a whole still can't agree to get vaccinated, can't agree to wear a mask, wash our hands if we're sick, stay home. If you don't want to get vaccinated, at least do the others. It's not about me. It's about we. And more concerning to me is that we're safer wearing swastikas on our sleeves these days than a healthcare worker is wearing scrubs on their way to work. How the hell did we go from banging pots and pans in appreciation to where we are today? I'm an extremely engaged Albertan and an extremely proud Canadian. I'm in my mid 40s and I'm more confused than ever. I don't know how any of this has become politically divisive. The fact that I, with any degree of certainty, can determine someone's political views on vaccination status or whether or not they're wearing a mask just blows my mind. I'm not even sure my degree in political science is going to help me. 
Todd says, it's great to have real talk back. Thanks, brother. That's what I was talking about earlier. I mean, read this next email, you know, from Brett and Brett, I appreciate you getting in touch. He says, you know, with regards to moving forward, has the solution been worse than the problem? It's time to move on. Some of you are going to lose your minds. (laughs) He says, put the resources in place to protect healthcare workers and the workload and the vulnerable and those at high risk. I challenge you, Ryan, to read some views that aren't liberal like you. Thank you, Brett. Some of you are going, he hasn't read my email yet. He read that, you know. Jason Kenny, in talking about relaxing restrictions, started to explore different ideas on stigma. And of course, he wanted to, I think, send a message that every human being has value, vaccinated or not. And why can't we all just move past this? And and why can't we all get along? And well, as Jason Kenny can, he brought something up that enraged people across the country. And in particular, probably people outside the country in the state of California who may have lost loved ones to HIV and AIDS in the 1980s. Jason Kenny in what appeared to be off-the-cuff comments, though I'm going to give him a little more credit than that. I don't think Jason Kenny says anything by accident. He decided to compare the unvaccinated to those living with AIDS through that epidemic in the 1980s. If you have not heard it yet, and I highly doubt that, here's Jason Kenny from a couple of days ago. Everybody should avail themselves of the protection of safe and effective vaccines. And that the choice not to get vaccinated is not just a personal choice. It does have social consequences, but it's never okay to treat people like that, to stigmatize people in that way. In a a way, it kind of reminds me of the uh, attitudes that circulated in North America in the mid 1980s about people with HIV AIDS. That there's this notion that they, they had to be kind of d- distanced for health reasons. Listen, this is uh, this is a terribly divisive attitude. So yes, we encourage people to get vaccinated, but treat, treating people who have made a different decision uh, as though they are uh, unwelcome as members of our society is not acceptable. First of all, Getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated is a decision. Being gay or straight is not a decision. And getting AIDS is most certainly not a decision. The premier talks about these attitudes that circulated in the 1980s around people living with HIV and AIDS without, of course, mentioning the fact that he was the one working hardest to circulate the attitudes Talking about people that needed to be distanced. And then you notice he said distance for health reasons. That one jumped out at me. Are there other reasons that the premier thinks that it would be okay to distance people living with HIV and AIDS? Here's Jason Kenney in his own words back 22 years ago bragging about the work that he did to keep spousal benefits, visitation rights away from couples where one of them was in hospice care 
with the AIDS virus. This is Jason Kenney in his own words. I became president of the pro-life group in my uh, campus and uh, um, helped to lead a, a, a ultimately successful initiative petition which led to a ref- referendum which overturned the first uh, gay uh, spousal law in North America uh, in 1989 in San Francisco. So I, I fought a lot of battles there. You see that Cheshire cat grin? I bet if you're listening to this on the podcast, you could hear him smiling, talking about his fight to overturn gay spousal rights. Now, he described this just a couple of days ago in that quote that we played for you as an extremely divisive attitude. How would he describe his work in the 1980s? He's never apologized for that. Now, of course, under an overwhelming amount of public pressure, the premier did issue an apology for his comments this week, tweeting this just the other day. Quote, in my new He means news conference yesterday. I made an inappropriate analogy to the stigmatization of people with AIDS. I was wrong to do so, and I apologize without reservation. That's the type of apology you issue if you invoke a story about people dying in hospice care, living with AIDS, or people living under an apartheid regime, or people rounded up because of their ethnicity or religious beliefs or otherwise in World War II and sent off to concentration camps to perish if you had nothing to do with it, but lacked knowledge around the significance of it, you issue an apology like the premier did. If you were one of the people that was championing those divisive attitudes, if you were one of the people working hard to further embed the stigma, that is a flaccid apology. Jason Kenney was put on the spot by a former broadcast colleague of mine, Charles Adler, and what went on to become quickly one of the most notable interviews of Charles Adler's career, which is saying something. And Chuck paid a price for that interview with the premier, where before Alberta's provincial election, Charles Adler demanded an apology from Jason Kenney for the work that he did, the advocacy, if you want to call it that, the activism in San Francisco that discriminated against the gay and lesbian community, the LGBTQ community, people living with AIDS. Kenny refused to apologize. So he'll apologize for this curious statement he made the other day, which I do not think was an accident. You'd have to ask me, well, why would he say something like that? And I don't have an answer because I can't get into that brain. I can't scrape the barrel that low to understand why you might go there knowing full well the impact the comments were going to have. Deeply offensive to not just members of the LGBTQ2S plus community, but to people who have lost loved ones to HIV and AIDS. You're going to say, Jesper has this Kenny derangement syndrome. All he does is pile on Kenny. Don't take my word for it. I go to sprawlcalgary.com, support independent journalism. Check out the amazing work that Jeremy Klazis and his team did with the Young Zealot series back in 2019, what Jason Kenny did in San Francisco. You can learn more about this guy and what makes him tick and ultimately why he got kicked out of a Jesuit college to right wing even for them. The comment is completely inappropriate. The apology is insufficient. It is deeply offensive and totally egregious. You can let me know what you think anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com.
Now, every once in a while, we endeavor to fill our lungs with a breath of fresh mountain air to change the channel, so to speak. Things, these things that just drive us nuts. And we need to just step away. And we need to remind ourselves that beauty is all around us. And this is a world worth fighting for, isn't it? Every Wednesday, in partnership with our friends at Tourism Jasper, we have a chance to get out to the mountains. We call it My Jasper Memories. And this week's edition is a very personal one because 66.6% of our team just spent the last few days in Jasper, including the newlyweds. Sam and his beautiful bride, Kelly, we're going to get to their amazing photos in just a second. But we were lucky enough to get out there as well. And I wanted to share a few family photos with you to remind you what a perfect time of year it is to get out to the mountains. Check this out. So we roll in. We've never before stayed at the Pyramid Lake Resort. What a beautiful spot right there on Pyramid Lake. Look at the mountain there in the background. A sleigh ride kicked us off when we arrived on the Saturday. Wyatt Rudy, absolutely fascinated by those big pull horses, just loved it. He was able to, of course, pet them and the the sound of a sleigh on snow. There's nothing like it. So our our weekend continues and we had such a wonderful time. Check this out up at Marmot Basin. Wyatt Rudy fits in a lesson. That was Bjorn. Turns out Bjorn's dad is a real talker and he was in touch with us. He goes, I hope Wyatt had fun with our son Bjorn. I went, are you kidding me? Bjorn was unbelievable to Wyatt. So much so that later that day, Wyatt and I, had a chance. This is only going to happen once in our lives, I told him. I said, this is the one and only time that I get to ride the chairlift with you, Wyatt, for the very first time. Father and son. Now, we took him on the Canadian Rockies Express, which was maybe a little ambitious. I'll acknowledge it was a little ambitious, but he did amazing. And of course, after he earned, Sam, you know how that goes. They say you got to earn your turns if you hike. And then if not, well, you got to earn your apres ski. And so I had to I had to bring Wyatt up to speed on what the apres ski is all about. He crushed not one, but two hot chocolates at a boy. Little later in the weekend, we decided this was just a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, to get into the Moline Canyon, that ice walk. It had been a while since we'd done it. Wyatt had never had a chance to be in there. If you've never been here, I don't know how to describe the beauty of the Moline Canyon. In the summer, it's remarkable. In the winter, just stunning. We watched ice climbers all day. We were in there as a family. Of course, make sure you wear your, you know, you got those cleats on and the helmets and the whole nine yards. Safety first. But what an absolutely beautiful day in Moline Canyon. The food in Jasper was unbelievable. We had a chance to stop by Evil Dave's. And uh, Wyatt Rudy is working on his content creation. We got a next generation blogger right there borrowing mommy's phone to take a photo of the food. Just killing it. You can check out Carrie Skelton on Instagram if you want to see the photos and what Wyatt came up with. And we wrapped up our time in Jasper with a skate on the pond. There we are on Pyramid Lake. What a beautiful day. Slapping that puck around, listening to the sounds, of course, that come with the great outdoors. A beautiful weekend. And of course, it was not lost on us the entire time we were out there that Jasper had a certain energy. It had the energy of newlyweds. Now, we were staying at different hotels. Sam, we didn't want to cross paths. So he wanted to leave you alone. We wanted to let you reside in your new marital bliss. First of all, from our team to you and Kelly, a huge congratulations. Married on Saturday. How are you feeling? Oh, I got to turn my mic on there. There I am. Feeling pretty good. Uh, it's been a relaxing time. We uh, went out to Jasper just as a chance to sort of switch our brains off for a bit, recharge, come back into the show ready to go. Yeah. Um, much like you've not stayed at Pyramid before, I really have never stayed at JPL before. Ooh. We decided this is this is it. We're going to treat ourselves. And uh, treat ourselves we did. We came into our room to a, a bottle of Prosecco waiting for us. Nice. And a wood-burning fire. I've never in my life stayed in a hotel with a wood-burning fireplace. Did you basically 
feed it all week? Did you just yeah, let yeah, the fire yeah. go it just, for like it was never four out. straight days? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was never out. So we get in there. We have our uh, we have our prosecco and, and decide that you know, um, well, one good glass of prosecco deserves a cocktail. And so on the recommendation of Jespo, we went and got ourselves the Maple Old Fashioned in the Emerald Lounge. Your review? Oh. Right? Well, I mean, like, maple syrup is going into every drink I make from now on. <laughs> like, that that's my review. <laughs> um, and, of course, we had hit the slopes as well. And uh, I'm proud to report, based on the uh, illustrious sign posted by the lifties, that the uh, conditions were extremely shreddable. Extremely shreddable. Extremely the, shreddable. The weather and the snow up there is unbelievable. Oh, the combo, beautiful. Eh? I mean, we got up on the top, and, I mean, just look at that view. This is, uh, this is the top of the Canadian Rockies Express. I the, love that chair. Or the Paradise yeah. chair. Yeah, it's a good time up there. So we did that. We uh, hung out by the fire, just sort of relaxed a little bit. Also got our, our chairlift photo together where uh, we, we couldn't help but show off the hardware Look at a that. Bit. The new hardware. The yeah. new rings. How does it feel to be wearing a wedding ring now? Is it taking some getting used okay, to? Okay. Very honestly, a couple times I've gone and like washed my hands and all I'm going is like, is there like a bandaid on my finger or something like that? Oh no, yeah. right. This, yeah. this, this thing. Do you take it off when you sleep or are you just going to leave it on? 20? I am trying to take it off. I'm trying to keep it nice and polished. Just don't lose so, it. Yeah. <laughs> just don't lose it. <laughs> and then... You know, had to uh, retire to the gorgeous outdoor hot tub at JPL Attaboy. for a little little bit of relaxation. And, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, well, like I said, we, we couldn't help ourselves. We had to we'd show them off again. Hey, man, and you're, you're only newlyweds once. <laughs> I, I was expecting way more photos of the rings, but look at that. The smiles on your faces. A huge congratulations to the two of you. Thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been a whirlwind week, but uh, we're uh, we're feeling pretty good. Yeah, we haven't. I mean, it's like even little things like you know, we haven't opened a single card yet. We just have like stacks of stuff at home. It's just like just you know, take we're your just time. Sort of taking our time, working through it. We had just like a wonderful time with all our friends. So it's uh, it's been quite a time. I'm not comparing getting married to Christmas or anything like that, but but we are of the thought like on Christmas morning, for example, that there's absolutely no rush. Ask anybody that knows our family; they're like, no, the Jespersons are never in a rush on Christmas. But it's because it can all be over so quickly. You know, people tear into the stockings, tear into the gifts, and then all of a sudden it's done. Mm -hmm. And we like to take our time. So with you guys, ease into it. Yeah, open a few cards, do whatever you want at your own pace, and enjoy it. What a wonderful phase. I'm glad you had so much fun in Jasper. We did accidentally run into Sam and Kelly did, for, like, yeah. for can, like two seconds. Can I was give like, us a quick oh. hello at Evil Dave's? Yeah, I'm like, nobody wants to run into their coworkers <laughs> on their... It's not technically your honeymoon, you were saying. You still have a big plan coming up this summer. We do. But, uh, but, th but this was like sort of the... It was a certainly this a special... Was the, yeah, this the, is the little... The little relaxation buffer we needed to get the back buffer, to our lives the buffer nobody wants to run into their co-workers on the buffer so we, we made it quick but we were so thrilled to see you sam and we're happy so happy for the both of you uh, we're going to keep the good uh times rolling here and keep the positive focus going and, and oh and by the way also positive reflections coming up a little later on in the show so you're going to say what is with all this happiness and positivity um we'll just uh you know uh leave some time as well to get back into your emails and i'm not making light of the fact that some of you are supremely pissed off this morning and i don't blame you and a lot of others are you going to say to me i don't appreciate or nor do i want you to characterize how i'm feeling as being pissed off that's not the case you're not pissed off you're concerned and you're worried and it's because you care about people and you care about the health of those around you and you care about things like Deborah Yedlin talked to us about the Calgary Chamber president about things like economic recovery and so we're going to get into what you have to say about that but there's a lot going on that gives us you know reason to believe that we could use a little bit of a lift 
And I can't believe that neither Sam nor I showed any photos of our dogs here leading into this. Uh, <laughs> of course, we know that our dogs are and, and to all the cat lovers out there, you know, we know you can align with us on this and understand where we're coming at from this dogs. Let's be honest. They make us better humans, whether it's the dogs that live with you, the members of your family, or maybe it's a dog that crosses your path. You're out walking on the sidewalk, listening to real talk, and you see the neighbor walking their shih tzu on by and and you scratch it behind the ears for just two seconds. And all of a sudden your afternoon's a little bit brighter, right? Well, well, Bea Bohmeyer literally wrote the book on it. And uh, Bea's the the author of how dogs make us better humans. And we're absolutely thrilled uh, to welcome her to the program, not just to talk about her own two dogs, Buckley and Eddie, but the bigger picture. Oh, and here she is with one of her best friends right by her side. Bea, good morning. Who's that beside you? Who's that? Sorry. Buckley, my Buckley. wise old man. Oh, but how old's Buckley? He's nine. Nine. And yeah, what? he wanted to come and say hi to you. Oh, this Ask is a very. Mo and Ro is doing. Oh, you've done your homework. <laughs> you have done your homework. Well, Mo and Ro are doing very well. I think there's uh, I know for a fact that they were sleeping in this morning because they're all tired out from Jasper. More Moses because he's nine like Buckley. Yeah. Uh, Monroe is a two year old lab, so she's got energy for days. Uh, have you always been a dog lover? Like ever since you were a little girl, you had dogs? Do you know what? All my life, I wanted to be the Dr. Doolittle of dogs when I was a kid. Like, just incredible. Like I just never, ever, ever stopped loving dogs. And I didn't get a dog until I was um, in my early teens. I uh, Moses is my first ever. I got my first dog when I was 35. But I would always have considered myself a dog lover. I just wasn't sure that I'd be a good dog parent. And now it's hard for me to imagine my life without dogs. There are certain hassles, right? I mean, like this morning, I had to use a lint roller brush because I had dog hair all over my blazer. And I don't want to be that guy that's out and about with dog hair all over. But if I were to analyze the pros and cons, it would be a landslide in favor of the assertion that dogs have made me a better human. What prompted you to literally write the book on it? Well, first of all, I just want to share with you that um, fur on your coat and your clothes is a fashion statement. Okay. So don't ever, ever be ashamed of that. Okay. Um, you know what? It was a little bit of a story. I, um, I call it my COVID passion project. And you remember the deep, dark days of the early COVID times when there was so much uncertainty and um, my business was about to go dark. And I, um, so I'm a, a cultural transformation consultant. And during that time, nobody wanted to talk about culture. They wanted to talk about survival. So I was on the phone with one of my clients and he said to me, Bea, there's, there's no answers. And my response was, there are answers. We just can't see them yet. And I hung up and I was really, really sad. And I was sad for him. I was sad for me. I was sad for what was going on. And my wise old man, Buckley, came over and put his paw on my lap. And, uh, and I thought, you know what? You have the answer, buddy. You have the answer. All we have to do is, is be together. And I thought, oh, I should write a book about how smart my dogs are. Um, but that didn't happen. I did what everybody else did during COVID. I decluttered my house, cleaned it. And um, one day I was having coffee with my husband and I was looking at the dogs and by the end of that day, I had written two stories, hmm. um, two stories that talked about what dogs taught me. 
And so I shared the stories with a colleague in Calgary and unbeknownst to me, he had a publishing company called the Better Human Group. And so I thought, oh yeah, the universe is talking to me, but he said, you know what, we should publish the stories. And I thought he was a little crazy. Number one, only two stories. And number two, they were kind of personal. Um, But by the end of that conversation, he had talked me into sending out a survey to dog lovers. And I had access to 250 people that had dogs because my husband, who's a serial entrepreneur and retired, decided that he wanted to start a dog walking socialization company called The Leash Team. And so I sent out the surveys and it was 10 questions, two really important questions. Do you think dogs have a purpose? And what have you learned from your dogs? Guess what the response was? Hmm. What do you think percentage-wise, how many people responded to that survey? I'm, I mean, I'm tempted to say 100, but I can't stand when people, I'll say 88. 98. Yeah. Okay. 98%. So I'm sure that had something to do with COVID and dogs, but 98%. One of the surveys was mine, which I didn't fill out. Um, so I had all these stories and then people started phoning and saying, bam, I know this person and they have an incredible dog story. You got to talk to them. And so eventually I, um, I interviewed 16 people, which was the most extraordinary experience of my life, because what happens when you talk to a dog person about their dogs? Yeah. You've yeah. opened Pandora's box. Yeah. 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 And that connection and that vulnerability. So it was a pretty cool experience. And, and then we published the book. And so there's 11 stories that I wrote and I always believe in collaboration and and co-creation because nothing happens alone. And I asked five people, specific people to contribute to the book and write their own stories. And then we launched the book on January 27th and it has been really fun and a huge success. So you're going to have when when you talk about how dogs make us better humans, uh, for some people, the story will be that the dog has been there to comfort them, um, you know, in times of duress. Uh, Other people will say that the dog has been a reminder that not everything always has to be so serious or that the world is not indeed going to hell in a handbasket. And then you'll probably get the odd story of people that say I'm literally alive today because of my dog. I mean, you, you must have had a wide range of stories. What's one that really jumped out at you? Well, I will tell you that 16 different stories, 16 different messages, but there's a universal truth um, that I believe there's three consistent things that I experienced. First, we asked um, in the survey, you know, what do you think a dog's purpose is? And 90% of the respondents said that they teach us unconditional love. And I, I truly believe that. And it's a kind of love that it is fraught with compassion and loyalty and seeing the world, not seeing the world through our eyes, but feeling the world through our eyes. And if you think about it, Ryan, if we behave like dogs a little bit, how nice the world would be. It would be mm. a better place to live. I, we'd understand each other. We wouldn't have to you know, agree on everything, but we'd have a better understanding. So that's one. The second one, and it's personal to me, and I wrote this in the story, is Dogs hold up a mirror to who we are and they feed off our energy. So if you've ever um, gone for dog training, oh, there's Buckley. Or if you um, watch Caesar Milan, what's the first thing they, they do with you? 
they don't train the dog. They train you. Yeah, and sure. They work with you. They work with your energy. They work with how you show up for the dog. So in the book, I write about um, my border collie, Charlie, who's no longer with us, but she was very special to me, totally connected. I thought she could read my mind. And we would spend a lot of time in the Edmonton River Valley, either on trails or in the off-leash dog parks. And that was my joy. And then something happened. And there were times where she became a big jerk. Mm. So she was this loving one or this jerk. And I never knew who was going to show up. So I wanted to stop walking. And I actually wanted to bring in a specialized trainer. And my kids, this pissed me off but they were right. My kids said, it's not the dog, Mm. it's you. And they were right. I was going through a tough time. So I was stressed. I was grumpy. Um, I was trying to grow my business. There was challenges. And so I showed up to the world, probably not a very present person. And I tested it and it was me. So my greatest learning from that story is, um, that when I meet people, I'm always conscious of what my energy is, how I show up, how I make them feel, my impact on them. It's so important. And then the third, there's a third universal lesson, and that's all about, well, let me ask you. So when when I ask you about your dogs, what do you think about? What do I think about? Oh, I don't know. I guess right now the first thing that popped into my mind is is how they both are when I arrive home in the afternoon, which is like just totally fills my heart. My heart explodes. We got this big front window on our house, and if I get really lucky and all the stars align, both dogs will be there looking through the window with the six year old human boy uh, in between them. And and that's when I walk home. It doesn't matter what baggage or luggage or emotional weight that I'm carrying. I go. This is why I'm doing it right here. So that's what I thought of when you asked me, but I guess I can answer the question a thousand different ways. So give me a word. I mean, it's cliche, but I'll say loyal. Yeah, loyal. Give me another word. Uh, Selfless. Yeah. So those are all feelings that you're feeling and it connects you to your dog. And so fraught through the book, is all of this emotional connection that we have with our dogs. And just like I was doing the interviews, this crazy emotional connection that we have keeps us vulnerable and authentic. And we let down our guard with our dogs. But in human terms, Brene Brown calls it uh, courage. We need courage to be vulnerable. But could you imagine if we are emotionally connected to like, who won't wanna be emotionally connected to their children? or their friends, or their family, or the people that they work for or with. It's all about that connection. So in my experience writing the book, those are the three truths that that came up and are sort of sprinkled throughout the book. Isn't it interesting how, uh, and, and I feel like I'll make this bold claim, um, but I have no evidence to back it up except for just what I'm seeing from people and hearing from people, but I'm sure statistically, it would hold up that that COVID has had such a huge positive impact on people's connection with their pets or on people's connection with animals in general. 
like the producer of this show, Sarah Hoyles, who 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 booked you on the show, and I'm grateful that she did. She she jokes about how she is her her new scenario is a foster fail uh, because she went to foster a dog, but but that that beautiful pup Charlie now just ends up living with her, and and uh, and this, the foster fail is said with such a smile because we know I always think that rescue organizations just smirk out the door and people are going. So what do we just keep them here until someone adopts them? No, you're keeping that dog. You know you're keeping the dog. But people also had more time at home. And they had more time on their hands and they had more reason to, to cherish those walks outside because they weren't able to do other things for for many, many months. I mean, COVID has had a huge impact on people's connection with animals, hasn't it? Yeah. And there was a surge for rescues and fosters and adoptions. I tried to get some statistics and I know that during COVID, one in three Canadians acquired or adopted an animal. So the majority of that was dogs, but there was cats and others. Um, in the United States, the, the number is 23 million people adopted or acquired an, an animal. And I know with the leash team, when we talked about like, why did you bring uh, you know, a dog into your life during COVID? And it's about family connection and focusing on something good. Stress was a stress reliever and support for mental health. So the surge um, happened and it actually, I think, made the world better. Unbelievable stuff. We're, we're getting some some cat people and I do value their opinions too. Mm. chiming in here. And I have no doubt you could write a book on cats. And, and I think people's relationship with cats are maybe a little bit different. Uh, but I'm an, I have an outsider perspective on that. And you could probably have people talking about other pets as well. Uh, do you think there's a difference there, dogs, cats, or other animals, and the impact that they have on people? Is there something very unique about dogs, whether it's personality or how they're wired or anything else? Well, we had a cat. So I do talk about the cat in the book. Um, we're animal lovers, but it's all about the emotional connection. Mm. And you know what? That is the same across the board. Yeah. That's the most important is that emotional connection. I love it. Where can people get your book? Anywhere they find great books? Amazon.ca. And um, I just want to share that when we launched the book, it went to um, a bestseller on Amazon for five days in a row. How did that feel? You know what? I felt grateful because it was the reach of everybody who supported. You know, it starts with friends and family. And then Edmonton's pretty supportive. Mm. And then I learned if you write a book about dogs, people are interested. So yeah. that was a bonus too. But, you know, it would make a great Valentine's Day present. Could you imagine if your dog bought your wife or your daughter or your child a book about how dogs make humans better? Or if you're trying to convince somebody to, um, uh, to uh, adopt a dog, it would make a great it would make a great gift. Yeah, I mean, you could always just present the book and the new dog together. Happy Valentine's Day. You know, no one's yeah. returning that gift. Okay, so my my husband did that to me. I'm a dog person. Oh, wow. That didn't go over really well for 24 hours. But you know what? You never give back a dog. Never. And, yeah. And now we have Eddie. Oh, Eddie. I love it. Yeah. By the way, who did? I know that people are going to ask who did the the, uh, portraits behind you. Uh, Do you know what? Uh, They were a gift. And I know it's a Canadian company and I can actually send it to you if anybody's interested. Yeah, if you do that and then Sarah can blast it out on our uh, on our Twitter. Yeah. Well, Bea, congratulations on the book. I had uh, several of your personal friends, which are mutual friends, 
um, reach out to me and they were all really excited you were here and I took those as character endorsements. And so it's a real pleasure to have you here on the show. Congratulations on the new book. Hasn't even been out a month already, a bestseller uh, right out of the gates. And for good reason, people are looking uh, for insights that remind us that there are so many things in life worth celebrating. That includes our relationships with our dogs, how dogs make us better humans by Bea Bohm Meyer. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Take care. You bet. I've been watching the live chat on this. Just great comments. Um, You know, uh, for example, I happen to know this. I just found out that that Deborah, who's been chiming in on our live chat for many, many months, it's actually Deborah's husband, Lorne, who's using Deborah's iPad. And so Lorne says dog is man's best friend. It says, go check for yourself, says lock your wife and your dog in the garage for a couple of hours. And then see who's glad to see you when you get back. Do not recommend, Lauren. You're a braver man than I. Craig says, my border collie is a big, silly idiot. So I guess that means I'm a big, silly idiot. Sharon says, my Ivy dog can read us so easily. And she's a little shit when we're not up to par. Donna, meantime, says, please don't quote Caesar Milan. He's not a good trainer. There are many, there are many different opinions on which dog trainers are worth your time and which are not. I know that. I'm not even going to open up that can. I understand people have different approaches to training dogs. And uh, hey, that's fine. Totally understandable. Jen says, I got a dog uh, during COVID and says he's really anxious now, which is kind of sad. She says, I think that he feels the anxiety from people all around him. And it's making me feel so sad for the poor guy. He's feeding off those humans who are anxious themselves. I love this from Amber. Amber joined us on the show just a few days ago. Amber Cannon to talk about her personal journey with mental health. What a courageous interview that was. Amber says, I, I oftentimes say that I didn't save my cat. My cat rescued me. I love that. You hear that from so many people. Keep the comments coming. You can be in touch with us anytime to talk at RyanJesperson.com. We're going to get to more of your emails on the Ottawa occupation, uh, on Alberta relaxing restrictions, on Alberta's premier and his comments about the stigma of people living with HIV and AIDS. Uh, First of all, I wanted to remind you, Sam, can you grab me one of those photos of the dram in a can? Um, This is the uh, Irish whiskey blend, the dram in a can that we were so excited to have featured and available for participants in our recent Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. This is the Two Stacks Irish whiskey. Look at that, 86 proof, 43%, beautifully blended, 100 mils in a can. Great if you're on the go, backpacking, fishing, snowboarding, walking the dog. Wherever you could use a dram, a little shot of whiskey, this is perfect. On the rocks, in a cocktail, or neat, right out of the can. And you can find it right now in singles or in packs of four at Sherbrooke Liquor. I invite you to check out SherbrookeLiquor.com. If you live in Edmonton, in our hometown, I don't need to tell you about Sherbrooke Liquor. Congratulations to them on their brand new second store in Otwell. You know they have literally thousands of thousands of different kinds of beers, microbrews that you may never even heard of, all the way up to the familiar brands. Go explore and make sure you include Dram in a Can in your next pickup from Sherbrooke Liquor. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to remind you that if you don't yet have a plan for Valentine's Day, they can bail you out. I mean, you can pick up all the fresh ingredients you need to cook your sweetheart a Valentine's Day feast, or you can share the love of really great food. Coming up on Saturday, that's February 12th, you can enjoy a steak and prawn dinner. 
a steak and prawn dinner at select Friesen Brothers locations. There's 16 of them across the province. You can get the details on which locations are featuring that beautiful Valentine's feast at Friesen.com. And a shout out to our friends at Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider. I love their social media. Sometimes they're talking about like electrical safety around the house or or how you can save money by getting onto their fixed rate for utilities. People right now getting their power bills or natural gas bills going, what on earth is going on right now? Not Park Power customers that locked into the fixed rate. But the social media yesterday was, I guess it was National or International Pizza Day, and they were they were posting about pizza, which I didn't mind either. I mean, I'm always happy to take a look at pizza and try to debate or determine which is the best. Go ahead and give Park Power a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and compare rates today. Save yourself a few bucks along the way at parkpower.ca. Sarah Hoyles, uh, the editorial producer of this show, uh, does a ton of work behind the scenes to make sure that we are in the know and following stories as they develop. Uh, First of all, we're an hour and 12 minutes into the show, and I haven't even officially said hi to you yet. It's been one of those kind of mornings, so it's great to see your face. Um, We're going to talk about what's going on in Ottawa in just a second, but there's news. We're not necessarily a sports show, but big news out of the National Hockey League just a few minutes ago, particularly involving the Edmonton Oilers. What's shaking? Head coach. Out. Boom. Tip it. Gone. Fired. Canned. Gone. Just wow. See you later. <laughs> Hang on. Wait. So you're saying he was fired? <laughs> I think yes. That's that basically sums it up. Gonzo. Yeah. This is. Uh, um, I don't know if it's going to be a shock or not to anybody. I don't think so. The, the team has has been languishing in the standings, Sarah. Obviously, and trying to fix its problems as best it can. I know that fans want to see a goaltender brought in. They brought in Evander Kane, and the team saw an early bump from that, I guess. He scored a goal in his first game, but the record, still a tough one for an organization that expects to make the playoffs. This is going to be big news. So so has the team named a replacement? I know this happened just moments ago. Yeah, this is this is breaking news. This is yeah. like right out of the gates. This is, yeah, just just now. So we wait and we see. Okay, Uh, I I would imagine Jay Woodcroft, who's been doing some work with the team's AHL affiliate. He was a video coach, I think, with the Oilers before he went down to the A for head coaching, has a great reputation in hockey circles. And I know within the organization, I'll be curious to see if he factors in here or not. What makes this interesting is that this team is struggling right around the time that they're two superstars, they're bona fide superstars. Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid are in the primes of their career. And I think people are feeling that with every passing game, let alone every passing season, uh, you get further and further away from the championship that you know that these two are going to require a shot at if they're going to want to stick around in Edmonton. So that's a story we'll be keeping an eye on. The auto- I'm, just, I'm, yeah. I'm just wondering, though, like, how is that Evander Kane? Uh I mean, if, if you want me to be honest with you, Hoyles, I've like not paid attention at all. You know what dictates how? No, but how, the, the, the point is, is like, you don't know. Uh, it's not like top of mind. So good thing we got that guy. Good well, thing. I, I don't I don't. Uh, you and I see differently on the Evander Kane thing, which is fine. Yours is more personal and mine's more sports based. I think if the Oilers can make the playoffs and Evander Kane can give them three or four goals every playoff round, it's going to be worth it for the team. But they do have other problems that they need to solve. Um, and that's fine. We can disagree on whether or not you think Evander Kane's a good signing. We ran we, we ran polls. We pulled the audience. A lot of people didn't love the signing and a lot of people thought, man, eh, let's let's take a, you know, what do we have to lose kind of an idea? Um, let's turn our attention. I, just, I don't know if I would refer to it as 
a personal, like it's it's personal. Yeah. I would say. Well, that you it, just don't. You it's don't, off the ice. Yes, it's off ice. It's off ice. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a fair. That's a totally fair clarification. Um, over the course of the of the weekend, and then you know, a few days into this week, Sarah, people I think are are going okay. You know, it's been two weeks since trucks rolled into Ottawa. It's been two weeks. Uh, that that residents of downtown Ottawa have been subjected to round the clock horn honking. We've seen hundreds of jerry cans. I mean, it's just I, I don't even know where to start with this. I feel like I could take an hour to share my thoughts on the Ottawa occupation right now. But people are certainly looking uh, for something to be done. And as far as I can tell, uh, at least in our early morning production meeting earlier today, it looked like maybe some steps in that direction. W- what's happening as of today? A, a big old maybe is where yeah. we're at. I mean, there is talk that, you know, there's going to be an immediate end to protests, according to uh, Ottawa police. But has anything been concrete done? No. Um, I mean, we're also looking that it's it's spreading. Uh, there's just kind of a, a willingness to just go for it because nothing is being done in Ottawa. So now we're seeing Detroit and Windsor clogged right up. Um, there's you know, auto companies that are actually ceasing production right now because they're not able to get the parts and everything that's needed to to get those cars made. It looks like each day that this border crossing, um, the Ambassador Bridge is what links Windsor and Detroit. um, Every day it's closed, it's costing $450 million to the economies in Canada and the States. And then Coots, and you mentioned it earlier, the Coots and uh, Milk River. Milk River. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're only continuing. They, they. I thought that they were disputing the mandate, and you know, the premier buckled, and yet they're still there, and they're digging in further. So uh, I don't know what they want. I guess they just they are they're mad about something. Well, they want to uh, they want to change who's in charge. And, and but, <laughs> you're absolutely correct. It's it has nothing to do with cross-border trucker mandates. I mean, that, that, that can be shot down in two sentences. It can be shot down in one sentence. Right. The United States has the same regulation. So if you're a trucker that's unvaxxed, uh, I'm not sure what your game plan is unless you're going to go and, and try to barricade or block off or occupy the White House. Um, And I'm not sure how well that would work out. You wonder if maybe the United States learned a lesson back on January 6th of last year uh, with regards to allowing dozens or hundreds of semi trucks loaded up with jerry cans of fuel. I I mean, it it blows my mind what's happening right now. I hate to manifest or risk manifesting these types of things to talk about the fact that I'm surprised that something worse hasn't happened. There's been some unverified videos that have been posted, people posting security camera footage that they say proves that occupiers attempted to start their condo buildings on fire. I've seen those. Those have not been verified by Ottawa police. But it is concerning uh, with every passing moment that this gets to resemble more and more and more of a powder keg as people continue to dig their heels in. But this has nothing to do with the cross-border mandate. I mean, it's costing, like you just said, $3 billion a week in trade. Just the bridge blockade there. People are talking they want government dissolved. People, I mean, they've, they've seen the, the leader of Canada's conservatives booted. I mean, we haven't even talked about that. We're going to talk about that in the conservative leadership race and what that's going to look like and who the major players are. Is it a coronation exercise for Pierre Polyev or could it be somebody else like Tasha Carradine? People are talking about Peter McKay again. I mean, there are other 
names that are surfacing here, but this has nothing to do with the border mandate for vaccines. And quite frankly, I don't think it has anything to do with the trucking industry. Because when I was on Highway 16, the Yellowhead to and from Jasper this past weekend, I saw hundreds of trucks, truckers that were hard at work, making sure that supply chains were well fed and making sure that Canadians got what they needed. So I'm not sure that these are so much truckers as people with access to trucks. Yep. Uh, you know, and so it's gonna be interesting to see. Somebody tweeted at us, and I think they hit our Real Talk account too at Real Talk RJ Sarah over the week. I'm not sure if you saw it. Somebody said, Hey, if they won't move the trucks themselves, the 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 uh what is it, the lift capacity of Chinook helicopters is two hundred and sixty thousand pounds. I thought, well, you get Chinook helicopters lifting up semi trucks. I'm not sure how that's gonna look, but pretty interesting to see as well. The RCMP confirming that tow truck drivers, a lot of them want nothing to do with this for fear of ramifications. Fair enough, but um, you know they were saying that city contractors um, that are tow truck companies are refusing to move the trucks. Well, then cancel those contracts. Hundred percent. I mean, you're looking at um, right now breaking news: Ottawa Airport is now having folks descend on it and disrupting the airport. Not obviously the landing and taking off of planes, but arrivals and departures as right. far as passengers. So it's just they're. They're, they're desperate, they're whiny little bitches, and they, like, they're not getting their way because that's not how democracy works. You know, you don't just get to bully your way in. And I, I just, I really take issue with the idea that, you know, oh, it hasn't been violent. That's like an abusive relationship where it's like, well, he didn't hit you, uh. so it wasn't abusive. Like, this is, it's gone beyond. They're not actually... Um, Protests are totally legal, but you need to get the permits. And these folks are not even following those. Like, it is illegal. There should be ramifications for that. Yeah, I th- I, and I think that, I mean, the double standards... Uh, with mm. regards to which protests are broken up and which ones aren't. I mean, you look at Tent City in Toronto and the way that the Toronto police handled that with batons and tearing down and bringing in the horses and, and everything. And and I mean, you know, with regards to whether or not, you know, contracts will be canceled or tow truck drivers will or will not pull trucks. Like you said, number one, you're contracted out to do that job. So do your fucking job or the contract's canceled and you're out. And number two, with regards to the Coots border blockade, somebody else pointed out to us, uh, CFB Wainwright, Canadian forces base Wainwright is not that far away and they specialize in this type of operation in removing barriers and they have the equipment to do it so whether or not it's soldiers that come in to do it at the behest or order of who I don't know whether or not it's the police that negotiate their way out of this it doesn't appear like that's the case although I'm going to read an email here in just a second from somebody on the inside or whether or not perhaps they just hire a bunch of truckers with class ones to come in and drive those trucks out of there you're not going to drive your truck that's fine here's the silver bracelets have a seat in the paddy wagon while this guy moves your truck the hell out of here something's got to happen i mean the message that this is sending is brutal i see a bunch of people counter organizers or counter protesters whatever you want to call them suggesting they're going to get all their bicycles like vancouver style and get all their bicycles down and confront people at coots i hope that doesn't happen uh that to me sounds like an absolute disaster waiting to happen Um, And, you know, police, uh, whether or not they're going to be called into action to break up this blockade would certainly have a tough situation on their hands if you start to get uh, counter protesters into the mix on a border blockade that's already uh, heightened tensions. I'm trying to find a way to put like I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of saying what I think might happen down there. 
but this could get way worse. It's bad now. It could get way worse. Lindsay, not her real name, sent us this email. Says, I can't be quoted. Okay, you can't say my name, Ryan. This can't come back to me or to my husband, who's currently stuck dealing with the blockade as an RCMP member. Says there's a lot more to this than race, like everybody's saying. My husband's extremely frustrated. They are outnumbered. They can't get any towing company to come and aid them in removing these trucks due to the growing fear of retribution from these truckers. And the members are not allowed to say. The RCMP officers are not allowed to say what they're dealing with. They've been trapped themselves by the protesters. They've been cut off from one another. What are they supposed to do? My husband would gladly go in, but he was ordered to retreat. And he said, this is unusual. He said, the team never retreats. Lindsay says, I'm so tired of people saying that this lack of action is race motivated, as well as a myriad of other reasons. Maybe you can do some digging, says Lindsay. I don't know. Says, I'd love to go on the record and do an interview with you, but I don't want my husband to be penalized. Thank you for your continuing coverage of this signed a former member, myself and a member's wife that from Lindsay. I don't blame someone like Lindsay who may say my husband's not a racist and this has nothing to do about race. And I don't blame other people that are going, yeah, but I've kind of seen how like indigenous protesters have been treated or I've seen how some Black Lives Matters demonstrations have gone. You kind of wonder. And let me acknowledge privilege and putting this perspective out there. I don't mean to be crass. But if this were to be a Black Lives Matter protest, or if this were to be another idle no more movement, and it involved dozens or hundreds of vehicles, including big rigs, blocking up, clogging up our nation's capital, honking horns for two weeks and bringing in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of liters of combustible fuel, ostensibly to refuel the trucks, but really, who knows? I mean, I'm not too old to forget about Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma City. I'm well aware that white, nondescript, middle-aged people are capable of causing enormous explosions and inflicting huge amounts of damage. And I don't think that we can describe this entire group as stable and reasonable. I can guarantee you that a thousand indigenous people with hundreds of liters of fuel or hundreds or thousands of black people with fuel and noisemakers would not be permitted. And call me to the carpet if you think I'm wrong on this. But I can guarantee you, based on what I see and my gut instinct and what I would refer to as common sense, that this would not be permitted to continue. I mean, you look at the shows of force that we see with the RCMP that are unable to handle this blockade at Coots. And by the way, what message does that send to other would-be organizers? The Canada's police force is incapable of managing this. You're going to say, Ryan, what do you want? You want to just come and show a force? You think that's how protests should be handled just by force? You want to see the RCMP come in and crack some skulls? Is that what you want? Is that the type of policing you want? I think a nation, and in particular, a province sits here right now and goes, really? This is all it takes? 
Now these people are demanding meetings. <laughs> they want a meeting with the prime minister. They want a meeting with the governor general. We want a seat at the table to ta- Yeah, that's called seeking the nomination, running in an election, winning an election, and participating in democracy. It's called becoming an MLA or becoming a member of parliament. That's how you get a seat at the table. That's how democracy works. Julie Van Rosendahl, the, the chef and the author, you've seen her on the show many times. I saw her tweet, are we witnessing the end of democracy? I mean, I know for a lot of people, you might say that's outrageous. But for other people, you're going like, who's calling the shots here? Who's wielding the influence here? I saw Andrew Shear, the former leader of the conservatives on video yesterday, walking out before he walked into the House of Commons, swung by the protest to shake hands and pose for photos. In particular, posed for a photo in front of the truck of the guy from the Whistle Stop Cafe just outside Red Deer. You remember that guy that has been organizing all those you know, the guy that wouldn't adhere to the restrictions exemption program and the police came and they put up a big fence and it caused a huge issue. And the guy's I mean, this guy's a shit disturber if there ever was one. Andrew Shears posing for photos with him two weeks into the occupation. To my conservative friends, is this your party? Is this the message that you want to send to Canadians? about who this party's base is and who this party will listen to and who can control the direction of this party's policy. Brian wrote in, he said, you know, there's two different groups of so-called average Albertans right now. Both of them are good people, I think. Number one, there's those that are unaware of what the real issues are. They're uninformed and they're somewhat unintentionally ignorant. They're happy with the lifting of public health measures. Number two, there are those that are painfully aware of the current situation the pandemic and the pressures on the healthcare system. They're also painfully aware of what kind of person our premier is. He says, note the difference. Group number one is unaware, says Brian earmuffs kids. This group needs to wake the fuck up. And I don't mean woke. They need to face reality, even if it's painful, even if it's not what they want. Perhaps something along the lines of pulling up their bootstraps. That from Brian. What about this from Kai? who said, Ryan, you asked for our feedback on how I feel about Alberta lifting restrictions. I'm very mixed. I'm an office worker by day, a part-time owner of a small retail shop as well. And lifting these restrictions, it doesn't affect either of my jobs, but it will likely reduce the likelihood that my wife and I will dine anywhere in any restaurant until we feel like this wave is actually over. Maybe that's April. Maybe that's way, but it certainly ain't today. As a small business owner, I feel the majority of my customers will support continued masking and distancing in my shop, but but those that are empowered by government will likely increase the harassment that they perpetrate on staff and owners alike. That from Kai, stuck in the middle. I want to read this one, too, from Rebecca. It says, I listen to Real Talk every day as a podcast, and I just love it. It says, I, I know that you're going to be talking about the end of these COVID restrictions. It says, the premier announced this on Tuesday. And that's the same day that we lost a wonderful soul named Abby to COVID-19. The irony of that, says Rebecca, is not lost on me. I want to tell you Abby's story. Abby was a 32-year-old mom of two kids, aged nine and six, and was full term with twins when she came down with COVID. Two weeks ago, doctors performed an emergency C-section and the twins were born healthy. Abby didn't have a chance to hold them uh, because she was COVID positive. She was isolated in hospital and on oxygen. And over two weeks, her health declined and her oxygen levels dropped and dropped. And right before she was put on a ventilator, her social media post read that she was scared. 
and that it felt like her lungs had collapsed and that she was lonely being isolated in that room and that she wanted to see her kids and her babies and her husband. And after going on the ventilator, fluid then needed to be drained from her brain. And then one lung did collapse and then her kidneys failed and then her brain swelled even more. And Abby died on Tuesday without ever holding her twins. Abby wasn't vaccinated. Why? I don't know. She wasn't outwardly anti-vax. She would never protest. She wasn't part of a convoy, but she was influenced in some way. How? Maybe because she was from a small town in a rural area. Maybe she thought that COVID couldn't catch up to her. Maybe because she's young, 32. Maybe she was nervous to get vaccinated while she was pregnant. We had an amazing roundtable on that, by the way. She says maybe she had members of her mostly conservative community, her evangelical community, tell her not to get vaccinated. I don't know. I can't be sure, says Rebecca. What matters is that Abby is not just a number. So many of us look and see, oh, okay, 23 died today. Oh, 30 died. Yes, 11 died the day before. These, these are people, not numbers. It's important to remember that, which is why I'm telling you Abby's story. Because of vaccine skepticism, let's call it hesitancy, four children no longer have a mother and a husband no longer has a wife. She had a radiant smile. She could sing beautifully, leading worship at her church, and now she's gone. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of people like Abby. And with no restrictions in place, I fear that Abby's story will become more common. Maybe not, and that would be great. But I am worried that we're no longer thinking of COVID as real and as deadly when it certainly still is for many in our society. Thank you for listening. That from Rebecca. We're so sorry for your loss, Rebecca. And for Abby's family's loss, I can't find the words. I don't have the words, but we're so sorry to hear that. I wanted to let you know that our question of the week this week is dedicated to this. And the team at Y Station pivoted on the fly to quickly change the subject of our focus for obvious reasons. And we ask you at RyanJesperson.com, our get real question of the week, Alberta once again quickly scaling back COVID restrictions. The premier's announced plans for the removal of these public health measures, even though hospitalizations remain near our all time high. So we want to hear from you. What's your take on the decisions announced earlier this week, how they will or will not alter your behavior and what you think will happen next? You can participate in our question of the week. And of course, our Patreon subscribers, you can learn more about that on our website, will receive the full top line report like you did for just this morning. Our question this past week about the Ottawa occupation. And we'll be reviewing those results coming up on tomorrow's show, along with a conversation about the supply chain. We want to make sure that we're up to speed on that. Trying to understand what's real and what's not, what's hyperbole and what's legit. We promise you that each and every day we will endeavor to keep you in the know on that. If you're keen on being kept in the know, And if you want to make sure that you're always on the leading edge of where the job market's going on capitalizing or maximizing the potential of your career, might we recommend Canada's online university? That's Athabasca University, world class accredited online programs and courses with the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. You're feeling under the weather, you get hit with COVID or anything else, you go, listen, I'm not doing anything for a week. You're not falling behind on your studies. 
it doesn't matter. Maybe the week back, you ease back in a half an hour, an hour a day. And maybe two weeks later, you're back to 20 or 30 or 40 hours a week. Your studies at Athabasca U. You're never falling behind in the program because you're customizing its pace. Some great research being done at the university as well. And you're going to be seeing evidence of that with features here on Real Talk. If you'd like to learn more about the application process or to determine whether or not it's a good fit for you, check out AthabascaU.ca today. Our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park want to remind you that they have been experts in the art of Valentine's Day for many, many years. They've got the perfect treat to wow your sweet at the Dairy Queens of Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. When you show up at the Dairy Queen, whether it's an ice cream cake or whether it's the beautiful Valentine's-themed blizzards that you're looking for, you make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. Did I tell you about this tip that we got the other day? I don't know if they're going to appreciate this at the Dairy Queens or not, but we've been hearing from these former Blizzard mixologists that have been chiming in, talking about the best blizzards, and somebody wrote in and said, I used to work at Dairy Queen. Did you know you can get more than one layer of the cookie fudge in the Dairy Queen cake? Oh, tell me more. You can request multiple layers of the cookie fudge in different Dairy Queen cakes, in the custom cakes. Like you could, if you wanted to request, I mean, I don't know if they limit them. I don't know if we're going to get an angry phone call from the Dairy Queens. I hope not. But two or three or maybe four layers. I mean, that's right up my alley at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. And of course, there's our friends at Kubi Energy. You know what Kubi Energy has been doing. I mean, Jake Kubiski, the founder of this company, such a great story, oil and gas electrician for many, many years. And he saw the tide turning. He saw a new opportunity. And that's when he got into the solar energy business. And and since then, he's been and his team providing solar energy solutions to power your life. They're a full service contractor, which means whether or not you're talking about your garden shed or whether you're talking about a huge conference center, like you can see right on their homepage at kubienergy.ca, they do it all. There's agricultural applications. Their team are experts on different programs and subsidies, incentives that could perhaps move the ball forward. Maybe you spend a little less than you thought you might going solar. You can request your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. Now, our first broadcast day of the week every week. This week, it's on a Thursday. We get started on the right foot. We get focused in the right direction. Thanks to our friends at Kubi Energy. It's a feature we call Positive Reflections. This is so great from Corrine, who wrote in from beautiful Sylvan Lake. A shout out to Sylvan Lake this morning. Says, I can't say enough great things about the staff at the Red Deer Regional Hospital. Uh, From the moment that we arrived at the emergency doors, uh, there was an employee who said that he would guard our truck. Corrine says, vehicle theft's been happening all over the place. Uh, The staff got me into the hospital. Every staff member along the way. I mean, it was unbelievable. The hospital is clearly overrun. But the kindness and the care and the compassion that we saw from people there is very much evident. Now, of course, it was impossible for me to capture here all of the incredible staff that cared for me from triage to the physicians in the ER, the resident, the anesthetist, the respiratory tech, many ER nurses, the radiologists, the nursing staff in the operating room, recovery, the ortho unit. Wow. Says these surgeons, the porters, food services, physiotherapy, occupational therapy. Says Kareen, my gratitude is immense from for all these people. 
And then there's the Central Alberta Lending Cupboard. How amazing we have an organization that loans free of charge medical equipment for daily living. I'm set up for everything I need to manage at home and when I can get outside again. You better be sure I'll be writing a letter to our Premier and Health Minister to express our frustration with the attack on our healthcare system, says Kareen. But today, it's a positive reflection. I love it. What about this one from James, who says, a huge shout out to my wife, Dawn. Says I lovingly call her Donald, our inside joke. You see, she married me 26 years ago, and we all know about the vows and sickness and in health. Well, I have been sick. Last week, I was into one, and I won't give you most of the details because I bet everybody would like to keep their breakfast down. Thank you, James. Says, but where was my wife during this ordeal? She was there. She was taking care of me. She was making sure I had fluids, and I was getting rest, and I was getting the medication and the other help that I needed. There's no way I'll ever be able to properly express the gratitude that I have for my Donald for not only taking care of me last week, but for making sure that things run properly at home and in our lives in general. She's one in a million, and I'm so lucky that she said yes 26 years ago. Now, she knows that as a family, we tune into Real Talk almost religiously, and and, and he says, and I'm sure to play highlights, uh, anything that I think she'll love that she may have missed. So this positive reflection is my small way of saying thank you, Donald for taking care of me. I love that, James. And we'll close with this from Kendall, who says, yesterday I experienced something that years ago would have seemed totally normal, unremarkable, and hardly worthy of an email into a talk show. But Ryan, in the context of the past couple of years, or maybe a few years more than that, it struck me as very significant. As a matter of fact, it struck me as a perfect positive reflection. Yesterday, my kids were all playing on the giant snowbank outside of our house, the mild temperature making for perfect snowball and snowman weather. And of course, once the neighbor kids heard all the commotion, they were all outside as well within a matter of moments. It's been a while since our kids have played normally. Know what I mean? With each other, without a care in the world, without the cloud of COVID hanging over their heads. But that's not even the highlight, says Kendall. This is us moms uh, settled into conversation as our kids played. It started with small talk, but of course it moved on from there. We started talking about how everybody feels about lifting mask use for kids in school and and tossing out QR codes for restaurants and such, and and even the truck convoy and everything that goes with that conversation. The point is, the three of us moms and neighbors standing there, not one of us agreed on everything. In fact, I quite strongly disagree with one of my neighbors on the kids and masks thing, but we had a great chat and we met each other where we were at. We talked and we listened and we questioned and we answered. And at the end of it all, we gave each other a hug and we talked about how great it was to be outside and to hear our kids shrieking with laughter and to talk face to face like everybody used to do. Uh, Kendall says, I, I don't think it changed my neighbor's mind on anything, nor did she change mine. And honestly, neither of us was trying to. But I walked back into the house with a smile on my face and I sat down to send you this. As you say, Ryan, one love, real talkers, and have a great rest of your week. That from Kendall. If you have something that would qualify as a positive reflection, we'd love to receive it. You can tweet at us, but it's better to send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Every week, we give you a reason to remember to smile and to tell one another that we love each other. We support each other. We keep our perspective about how important it is to foster those personal relationships. Coming up tomorrow on the show, as mentioned, we'll talk about the supply chain. Dr. Jim Bookbinder is going to join me out of the University of Waterloo. He's an expert in logistics and supply chain management. We're going to go through the question of the week results, how you feel about that Ottawa occupation, plus insightful analysis of other stories as they develop, and you play a big part in that. Make sure you use our hashtag, RealTalkRJ. Hit like 
like, hit subscribe if you like what you've seen or heard on the show today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow, Real Talkers. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Editorial producer, Sarah Hoyles. Technical producer, Sam Brooks. Managing director, Josh Dunford. Account coordinator, Tanya Franklin. Merchandise operations, Katie Cook-Chivers. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated, all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.